to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Be in Judges chapter 11. We've been uh, already looking at Jephthah the Gileadite as he's been raised up to deliver Israel. Um, and we are going to continue with that. I do want to give one announcement quickly. Uh, we've been praying for Sharon Wood uh, with her cancer. She went back to Iowa City for treatments. Was it Thursday? Thursday she found, broke her hip. Yeah. Well, no, it was Friday. Friday. She took a surgery Saturday morning. They checked her out and they found another mass next to her heart. So she she's no. yeah. So she's not going to be able to have surgery. Um, again, she's 90, 89, 89 almost 90. Um, so we do need to definitely keep her in prayer. Uh, she's been struggling with this round of cancer anyway, but now that she's fallen and broken her hip, um, just doesn't sound like she's going to be able to be out of the hospital and uh, maybe this is getting close to the end so uh, we do need to definitely be in prayer for her Uh, judges chapter 11 verse 29 is where we're going to pick up we've already seen jephthah be introduced Uh, we've seen him last week have a parlay with the king of ammon and correct the history that the king of ammon was speaking of why he was attacking israel he reminded, Jephthah reminded the king of Ammon that over 300 years ago as they came out of Egypt that the king of Ammon, who is of the descendants of Lot, had refused to help and to uh, bless Israel and had made them go the longer way through the wilderness to get to the promised land. And in that time they had uh, ended up having to fight against the Amorites, not the Ammonites, but the Amorites, uh, and that is why they possess the land that they have right now. And uh, the king of Ammon is trying to take that land, even though it was never his. And uh, so Jephthah had to correct that. But the king of Ammon decided he wanted to go ahead and still go to war. So we're going to pick up in Judges 11 and verse number 29. The Bible says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord. And said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, will surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aror, even till thou come to Mineth even twenty cities, and under the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. 
For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance of thee, of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and he, she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, and who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for desiring to teach us, for desiring for us to be your children, to raise us up, to follow you. So God, I pray today that you would speak to hearts. Lord, that it wouldn't this text wouldn't just enter deaf ears, deaf ears, that this this truth would enter our hearts and it would take root and grow. We do pray for uh, Miss Wood today as she's struggling down in the hospital. I pray that you'd give the doctors and nurses wisdom. I pray that uh, your will would be done. Lord, we know that she is your child and when she passes from this earth, she will be with you forever in heaven. But Lord, we also know that her family is possibly not ready for that. So Lord, I just pray that you would give comfort and you would give wisdom, that you would gather everyone together and that you would guide and direct. Lord, please be with us today. Help us to see this truth. And we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know this isn't much of a Christmas message. We are on Christmas Eve. Uh, but this is where we were in the book of Judges. And uh, it ties in with a lot of the things that we're going to talk about later in the main service. As we've been looking at uh, the season and why we are celebrating today. Why we are getting ready to celebrate Christmas. But as we continue on with Jephthah, we understand that the fight is on. It's time for him to go and, and be the leader that Israel has asked him to be. Remember... Jephthah was born out of whoredom. His father had an affair, and uh, when he was grown to the point of being able to take an inheritance, the, his own brothers had ran him out. And now that the Lord was bringing the king of Ammon in to, uh, to harass Israel, to, to um, punish Israel for what they have done, for walking away from the Lord, they've gone and they've sought Jephthah because he is a mighty man of valor. He's a strong leader. He's a man that is able to do what God needs him to do here. So they've brought him back, and now he's done everything he can to not fight. And that's the important part, one of the important parts that we need to remember about Jephthah. He didn't want this fight. Israel, throughout history, has been painted by uh, those that are not Christians, and even many that are Christians, as the bad guy. Even right now, as they're in this conflict with Hamas and all these things are going on over there, they're being painted as the bad guy, as the, as the aggressors, the ones that are attack, attacking. But... Historically, they have done everything that they could to not have to fight. And they just want to be left alone in their own land, the land that God gave them, the land that God promised them, the land that God brought them into. So here, Jephthah finally, he understands there's a time to fight. And we need to understand for all of us that there comes a point in our lives where there's a time to fight. Now, we here in the United States have been blessed. Uh, we've gone and we, we, we have freedom of religion. We have the ability to be here today to worship as we want to worship. Uh, the people that are across the street, I'm sure getting ready to have a family Christmas celebration, have that ability. Uh, the, the, there's, there's nobody that's going to look down on them because they're not in church this morning. 
But there's also nobody that's going to come into our doors and going to and going to be upset with us because we are at church. It's not like that in every country. We we have a missionary. As my family and I traveled, uh, he was a missionary to Vietnam. It was a Vietnam is a closed country. Uh, he had to sneak into the country and he had to sneak out of the country. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't. Brother Marco wasn't very sneaky, but uh, he was in country and and he was helping a church that was there that. Uh, was meeting and, and he was trying to to be a blessing and and it was time for him to leave and the Lord had had directed it in such a way that as he was on the motorcycle on the way to the airport the government was raiding the front of the church and uh, he got out and was able to to get away and not be incarcerated there we have another man that's that's there as a missionary that uh, tells a story during COVID of being locked down and and they would just randomly shut down every a building on the block, and he wouldn't be able to go anywhere for two or three days uh, with armed military guards at every intersection. Uh, this is not the way we are in this country. But because this is not the way we are in this country, we've gotten to a point where we are just okay being okay. And, and I think if, if you look at the way our country is going, the direction that our government is heading, uh, it the writing's on the wall, there's going to be a time where we're going to have to stand and fight. Jephthah is here right now. But Jephthah, as he's going in and he's beginning to, to go to this battle, he does something that so many of us do without even thinking. And it shows a lack of faith on Jephthah's part. The Bible tells us in verse number 30, as he's passing over Gilead and passing through Mizpah under the children of Ammon, that Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord. And said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Jephthah makes a promise to God. Now, these are promises that we see all the time. This vow, this this is a... a, con, or a um, Conditional covenant. God throughout history has made conditional covenants with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with David. Basically, if you will follow me, I will be your God. It's if you, then I. So Jephthah here is making a conditional covenant with God. He said, if you deliver Israel by my hand and bring me back in peace, then I will do this great thing to worship you. We need to understand that even today, we make these contracts, we make these covenants, and these are legally binding contracts. Yesterday, uh, my family and I, we had our, our family Christmas with my grandparents in the nursing home. It was a great time. Uh, we were packed in even tighter than we are right now, uh, but it was good. But after that, we went and, and over to Ames, and we went to uh, one of the convenience stores, and we started to gather snacks for our trip south this afternoon. And the, the children went in and they picked some drinks and they picked some snacks and they went up to the register and they made a conditional covenant with the salesperson. The salesperson said, if you give me this much money, I'll give you these goods. Plain and simple. If they refused to give him that much money and still took the goods, they would have been arrested. If he refused to take the money but allowed them to take the goods, or if he took the money but didn't allow them to take the goods, he would be in trouble. These are things that we deal with every day. They're legally binding. Even if it's just verbal, they're legally binding. 
And Jephthah here, he understands that, but I don't think he understands as he makes this covenant with God just how important it is. In Numbers 30, back in the beginning, in the book of Numbers, verse number 30, or chapter number 30, we're going to look at just what God thinks about these covenants. Numbers chapter 30. Numbers chapter 30 and verse number 1. says, And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord, and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow, and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes is after Psalms and Proverbs. Song of Solomon. Before Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore... Should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the works of thine hand? Sorry, the work of thine hands. For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. Or how about Matthew 13? The book of Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 36. The Bible says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. That's the wrong reference. Why did I do that reference? We might have to come back to that one. But in any case, God makes it very clear that these contracts are to be upheld at all costs. Now, the Bible does give a few occasions where a vow can be voided. If we go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 30, God continues, as he's speaking of the woman, making a vow on what can be done in order for the vow to be removed. Numbers, chapter 30 
And verse number 5. It says, But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth not any of her vows or of her bonds, wherewith she hath bound her soul, shall stand. And the Lord shall give forgive her, because her father disallowed her. And if she had, a, had at all an husband when she vowed, or uttered aught of her lips, wherewith she bound her soul, and her husband heard and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then her vow shall stand, and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. But if her husband disallowed her on the day that he had heard it, then she shall make her vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul of none effect, and the Lord shall forgive her. But every vow of a widow and of her that is divorced, wherewith they had bound their souls, shall stand against her. And it goes on and lays out all of these reasons. The only person, that, the only group that that affects are the women. So in these cases, the Lord is allowing a father or a husband to remove the vow of a woman who would be under his authority. But it must be done immediately. God equates these vows with sacrifices being made to him. He equates these as worship. So in Jephthah's vow, he makes this rash decision. And every time I read this passage, I, I, I just have to, because it's me, I have to go and, and try and wonder what in the world he was thinking. Why would he say this? He said, Whatever so cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon surely shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. I can only imagine he, he has a wife and he has a daughter and he has, I'm sure, servants, and, and I'm sure there are animals running around. He had to think, if it was me, I would have to say that it's probably the little black cat that comes across the street and tries to get in my house, that I have a feeling that's going to be the first thing that comes out when I get there. But he, he just he decides whatever it is. Maybe he thought his wife would be the first one out the door to meet him. I don't know. I'm not that way. I love my wife. I want my wife to be with me forever. But in any case, this will always be one of the dumbest things that anyone has ever done. Not only in the Bible, but in the whole world. He promised God that he would offer whatever came from his house first as a sacrifice. Now, this is dumb for many reasons. And forgive me for the word dumb, but I am still a young man, as some would say. My children would say I'm old, but... But the least of which is the end of the story. We know that he ends up sacrificing his only child as a burnt offering. But it's dumb because it shows a complete lack of knowledge of God and what God desires. It shows a complete lack of faith in God. Jephthah is confusing his worship of the gods of the land with how God wants to be worshipped. He's still intermixing uh, the gods of the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Moabites. He's still mixing the way that they want to be worshipped. The gods of Egypt that God brought them, the Lord God brought them out of, with how God has demanded to be worshipped. But before we're too hard on Jephthah, we need to look at ourselves. 
we're here today. It's December 24th. It's Christmas Eve. Tomorrow, the majority of the world will wake up and thank Santa for bringing them gifts and placing them under a Christmas tree. While also thinking about the nativity and the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After all, that's why this holiday exists. That's why it's called Christ's Mass. In the spring, we celebrate Easter and watch as children gather candy and gifts that were left by the Easter Bunny while going to church and celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Both are done because the world does them and also because we don't understand our Lord. Because we've mixed and we've just allowed it to go on. Jephthah believes that God wants a sacrifice. He believes that without a sacrifice, that God won't bless him. He misunderstands the purpose of the sacrifice that God had commanded, and he also misunderstands the worship of God with the false gods who demand human sacrifice. You see... God demanded sacrifices from Israel as they came out of Egypt. While they were in Egypt, he commanded that they made sacrifices. He commanded all the way back in Genesis. We see Cain and Abel make the first sacrifice, and Abel's sacrifice was accepted, and Cain's was denied. There has to be a blood sacrifice to pay or to atone for the sins of mankind. But the thing that Israel has always missed, the thing that they're still missing today, is that that sacrifice is nothing but a picture. It's always been to point to Christ and to His sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22. First Samuel fifteen twenty two. Remember, Jephthah wants to worship God, but he's forgotten or doesn't understand how God wants to be worshipped. First Samuel fifteen twenty two. The Bible says, "And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and excuse me and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord." Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. This is Samuel speaking, I'm sorry, speaking to Saul, the first king of Israel, who had gone to war and had taken spoils that Samuel had told him not to take. And he'd taken them in order to make a sacrifice to God because he wanted to bless God. But he missed the point. God wants us to obey far more than sacrifice. Because the only full sacrifice was Christ, the only begotten Son of, Je Son of God. But Jephthah has made a vow. And he understands as a, as a man of character that he has to keep that vow. 
And as he returns in victory, his daughter runs out to meet him. And he rents his clothes. This vow is now on the forefront of his mind. He no doubt knew that he was going to have to make a sacrifice. But I want you to notice something here. As he explains the situation to his daughter, she understands the urgency. She understands the heaviness of what is going on with her father. But she also understands the weight of the vow that he had made to God. And she willingly accepts. While it would have been a great picture for us to see Jephthah just obey the Lord and do what God had wanted him to do. While he could have gone and, and understood the redemption process and understood that the firstborn of all Israel was to be redeemed to God with certain sacrifices of animals, there could have been a substitute. He didn't have to actually sacrifice his only daughter. The daughter willingly gave herself. What a great picture of that for us. Even in Jephthah's failures, his failure to seek counsel from wise men, his failure to seek counsel from God, She willingly offered herself. As we stand here today on Christmas Eve, getting ready to celebrate tomorrow the time that Christ came to this earth as a baby for the sole purpose of sacrificing himself for us. Not just for the people that were on earth at that time, but for all of us, for the sins of all the world, past, present, and future. This isn't a Christmas message, but it is a great picture. Jephthah keeps his vow. He allows his daughter to go away for two months and mourn uh, her youth and her virginity in the mountains. She could have ran away. She could have left, never to return. But she came back. And just as Abraham was about to do to Isaac, willingly offered herself. We will be held accountable for the idle words that we speak. I know I have often made vows to God, made promises to God, and one day I'm going to have to stand before Him and answer for those things that I've said that I've not lived up to. So for us today, we need to first really be careful what we promise. But also, we need to just do the one thing that God seeks from us above all else. And that's, in faith, just obey Him. The only way we can know what He truly wants for us is right here in this book. 
But if we in faith read this book, read his letter to us, his history of the world, his promise of the future, and we just obey what it says, that's the only thing he wants. That's the only thing any parent wants. So let's do that today.